Okay, hi everyone. I am back. It is Thursday, August 19th. I didn't do a podcast yesterday um, because what I want to do is switch to doing them on Wednesdays and Fridays. So I thought if I did the one semi-long one today, that that would take care of it. So here goes. Last week we talked about uh, reading out of the book of Enoch. And my edition, I have two editions actually. I have the one on my laptop from R.H. Charles. And that's a really widely accepted uh, translation. I also have in book form, it's kind of like a keepsake edition from Ronald Brown. Ronald K. Brown. They're very similar. Uh, this one, originally published 1997, um, or I guess 1995. Uh, but it's going to be easier for me to read out of my Ronald Brown one than the R.H. Charles one on the laptop. Because if I'm out and about and that sort of thing, I don't bring my laptop everywhere. So let's start. This is quite the book. There's going to be chunks that I'm going to kind of breeze over because they get into the sun and the moon and the stars and all kinds of things. But it is quite the book. A little bit of background information. The book of Enoch was part of scripture. I know a lot of people say, first of all, Enoch was from Cain, you know, Adam and Eve had Abel and Cain, and and Enoch was a bad descendant from a Cain, the bad descendant. And that's not true. There wasn't Enoch on that side. But this Enoch is in the line of... Uh, let me grab that real quick. It's just out of reach. The Enoch that... Uh, the writings were preserved through all of these generations was from Seth. So Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. Later on, they had Seth. Seth begat Enos, and then Kenan, and then Mahalalel, and Jared, and then Jared had Enoch. Cain also had an Enoch, but that, like I said, was not the good Enoch. Apparently, there was a shortage of names back then. And names, of course, mean things. So, anyway. Uh, Enoch is brought up in the book of Jude. What Jude, right before Revelations, says about Enoch matches what is in the book of Enoch. Whether he read it there from scrolls that they preserved. Incidentally, there were a lot of scrolls of Enoch preserved in Qumran. And that, of course, was the first century community that was contemporary with Jesus and his family and friends. They all knew him. It was John the Baptist community. This was Jesus's family, the Dead Sea Scrolls Qumran community. Um, not all of them, but some of them were family and friends of Jesus. They preserved Enoch. There was many, many, many scrolls preserved of Enoch 
for, uh, in, in Jesus's community. So that's how important it was. But for the first 800 years, it was part of scripture. It was only taken out by whatever translation came up 800 years later when the Roman Catholic Church got a hold of everything and they took it out. You know why they took it out? Because Enoch talks about end times a lot. He talks about the creation of the world and what the world is really like. Some people, and that's why I had Chelsea on last uh, Wednesday, is because Enoch, the way he talks about it is that, you know, you could picture the earth as being flat in his writings. And, you know, he was only like the seventh from Adam. So Adam would have also known what the earth was like when it was first created because he walked and talked with God in the garden. Enoch, of course, walked and talked with God in heavenly places, at the ends of the earth. You know, where are the ends of the earth? I don't know. Did he go in complete circles over and over again? You know, we don't know. We don't know. But anyway, so let's get started. Uh, chapter 1, the heading of this is the second coming of Jesus Christ and judgment. Enoch didn't write that. That's what uh, Ronald K. Brown wrote as a description of chapter 1. Okay, it starts. The words of the blessing of Enoch, wherewith he blessed the elect and righteous, who will be living in the day of tribulation, when all the wicked and godless are to be removed. Interjection, of course, that's talking about the great tribulation. Verse 2, and he took up his parable and said, Enoch, a righteous man whose eyes were opened by God, saw the vision of the Holy One in the heavens, which the, which the angels showed me, and from them I heard everything, and from them I understood as I saw, but not for this generation, but for a remote one which is for to come. Concerning the elect, I said, and took up my parable concerning them. Okay, this version, the reason why I like it, is because it puts in verses from the New Testament that talk about um, corresponding verses. So, Revelation 6, 15 and 16, and I will put those in there as I see them. No, I'm sorry. That is Matthew 24. Okay. I'll put them in there as I see them. So, I mean, if you want to jot them down and look for cross-reference, throughout the whole book of Enoch, there's cross-references to our scripture, our recognized scripture. I mean, it's not everywhere, so it's not going to be annoyingly interrupting. But <clears throat> just in case you want to look them up, because I have them right in front of me. Okay. Concerning the elect, I said, and took up my parable concerning them, the Holy Great One will come forth from his dwelling, and the eternal God will tread upon the earth, even on Mount Sinai, and appear from his camp, and appear in the strength of his might from the heaven of heavens. Interjection. Was there a Mount Sinai way back then? How did he not know he would come on Mount Sinai? Apparently Mount Sinai was there. Let's go on. Verse 5. And all shall be smitten with fear, and the watchers shall quake. 
cross-reference Daniel 4.17. And great fear and trembling shall seize them unto the ends of the earth. Cross-reference Revelation 6.15 and 16. And the high mountains shall be shaken, and the high hills shall be made low. Cross-reference Isaiah 40, verse 4. And shall melt like wax before the flame. And the earth shall be wholly rent in sunder, and all that is upon the earth shall perish. And there shall be a judgment upon all men, but with the righteous he will make peace, and with the elect and mercy shall be upon them. And they shall all belong to God, and they shall be prospered, and they shall all be blessed. And he will help them all, and light shall appear unto them, and he will make peace with them. And behold, he comes with ten thousand of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all, and to destroy all the ungodly, and to convict all flesh of all the works of their ungodliness which they have ungodly committed, and of all the hard things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This is clearly right straight out of the book of Revelations. Clearly. This is the end of all time. He comes with ten thousands of his saints. That's Jude. Jude 14. So I didn't interrupt. There was a lot of cross-referencing verses in this later section. So <clears throat> it was kind of taking away from the flow to interrupt and put those in. But... Um, Revelation 7, 3, and 4. Isaiah 63, 1, and 4, 1 through 4. Zechariah 14, 5. Jude 14. Revelations 19, 11 through 14. Daniel 5, 11. Psalm 139, 20. Proverbs 30, 9. Revelations 13, 6. Those verses are all cross-reference what Enoch is talking about. But when Enoch is saying this, oh, let's see, what is the time period that they have for Enoch? Well, I don't have that handy. But we're very, very early, very early into... Uh, the first millennium. <clears throat> and remember, there's 6,000 years before Jesus comes back and starts his millennial reign. So the earth is not millions and billions of years old. Compression can make carbon dating look that way. I'm not a scientist. To me, that's common sense. All right, let's go on. Chapter 2. Observe ye everything that takes place in the heaven, how they do not change their orbits, and the luminaries which are in the heaven, how they all rise and set in order, each in its season, and transgress not against their appointed order. Behold ye the earth, and give heed to the things which take place upon it from first to last. How steadfast they are, how none of the things upon earth change, but all the works of God appear to you. Behold the summer and the winter, how the whole earth is filled with water, and clouds and dew and rain lie upon it. That's chapter 2. 
I want to point out the Bible says, or no, no, uh, scholars say before Noah was, there was no rain. Um, according to Enoch, there's seasons. He's ob observing the heaven and the earth, and he's seeing seasons. So, you know, I don't know. We don't always know. All right, chapter three. The, some of these chapters are very, very short. That's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on. Chapter five is pretty long, and I'll probably stop after that one, but three and four are, like, really short. Chapter three is talking about winter. Observe and see how in the winter all the trees seem as though they had withered and shed all their leaves, except 14 trees, which do not lose their foliage, but retain the old foliage from two to three years till the new comes. Okay. Chapter four, summer. And again, observe ye the days of summer, how the sun is above the earth, over against it. And you seek shade and shelter by the reason of the heat of the sun. And the earth also burns with glowing heat. And so you cannot tread on the earth or on a rock by reason of its heat. Chapter 5. Um, I haven't been putting in some of these pretty obvious cross-references. Okay, chapter 5. Uh, Dr. Brown says, uh, apparently he's got a doctorate in divinity, PhD, PE. I'm not sure. Okay. He says, nature is obedient, but angels and mankind aren't always. Chapter 5, verse 1. Observe ye how the trees cover themselves with green leaves and bear fruit. Wherefore give ye heed, and know with regard to all his works, and recognize how he that lives forever has made them so. And all his works go on, thus from year to year forever, and all the tasks which they accomplish for him. And the tasks change not, but according as God has ordained, so is it done. And behold how the sea and the rivers in like manner accomplish and change not their tasks from his commandments. But ye, ye have not been steadfast nor done the commandments of the Lord, but ye have turned away and spoken proud and hard words with your impure mouths against his greatness. O ye hard-hearted, ye shall find no peace. Therefore shall ye execute, execrate your days. And the years of your life shall perish, and the years of your destruction shall be multiplied in eternal execration, and you shall find no mercy. Okay, I decided to get out the dictionary and see what execrate means. Execrate. Hmm. Oh, I'm looking. Here we go. To call down evil upon or to curse, to speak abusively or contemptuously of, denounce scathingly, to loathe, detest, abhor. So to curse and talk scathingly. Okay. So 
it says here, therefore shall ye execrate your days, and the years of your life shall perish, and the years of your destruction shall be multiplied in eternal execration, and ye shall find no mercy. That is cursed. I'm going to write that in. He does use big words. In those days you shall make your names an eternal curse unto all the righteous, and by you shall all who curse, curse. And all the sinners and godless shall imprecate by you. Imprecate means to pray for or invoke, to invoke evil upon or curse. Same. To pray a curse upon. Okay. All sinners and godless shall imprecate by you. And for you the godless there shall be a curse. And all the righteous... It was a left out word, so that's implicated there. Shall rejoice, and there shall be forgiveness of sins, and every mercy and peace and forbearance. There shall be salvation unto them, a goodly light. And for all of you sinners, there shall be no salvation. But on you all shall abide a curse. But for the elect, there shall be light and grace and peace, and they shall inherit the earth. And then there shall be bestowed upon the elect wisdom, and they shall all live and never again sin, either through ungodliness or through pride. But they who are wise shall be humble, and they shall not again transgress, nor shall they sin all the days of their life, nor shall they die of the divine anger of wrath. But they shall complete the number of the days of their life. This is the elect. And their lives shall be increased in peace, and the years of their joy shall be multiplied in eternal gladness and peace all the days of their life. Okay, we're going to take a break right here. Um, we're only 18 minutes in, and um, since this is, is uh, Wednesday and Friday's podcast, I figured we could continue on but now Enoch takes a turn uh, you could say for the worse he starts to talk about what happened with the watchers um and I just kind of want to preface that with there's the Elohim capital E and the Elohim lowercase e talked about in Genesis the Best verses on that, Elohim, of course, created the heavens and the earth, and this is God the Father, and then he involves, he involves uh, the Son of God in it. He involves Jesus in it. Chapter 6 in Genesis, i got to remove this little sticker. It starts to talk about the watchers. Um, in this, in chapter 6, they're considered the sons of God. Okay, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. Okay, this is right before the flood. This is Genesis 6. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they were fair, and they took them wives of all, which they chose. So now this isn't implying that, that, Okay, now at this point, these are angels, 
that are evil. They are not wanting to do God's bidding. Excuse me. <clears throat> but apparently, like Eve, the women were deceived by these fallen angels and went into them, whether willingly or unwillingly. But the Lord says in, in verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So in Genesis 6, God is saying, I need to cut short the number of days of people. Before that, they were living, you know, nine hundred and some years. Nobody reached a thousand, but there was one guy who was like 969 or whatever. Um, of course, Enoch only lived to be 300 and some years. And that'll come up later. Uh, 365 years where everybody else was living almost three times as long. But he was taken at 365 it's not that he died, because the Bible says he didn't die. He was walking with God, and God just took him like he did Ezekiel. Oh, no, Elijah, Elijah. Um, so Enoch is 365, and he's taken. Everybody else was living, you know, in the 900s. Um, when it came time for when the fallen angels did this, that's when God started shortening their years. And this started after Noah, after Lamech, and down into the years of Shem. Because this was uh, after the flood. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men. And they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the falls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, we're going to go back to Enoch because... Enoch talks about Noah. Enoch was a great-grandfather of Noah. Lamech was Noah's father. Methuselah was Noah's grandfather. Enoch was Noah's great-grandfather. So when Noah was a little kid, or even 100 years old maybe, he was hanging out with Enoch. Enoch wasn't taken yet. So Noah knew all of this, and no, that's why all of this was passed down. People are like, well, how do they know what took place way back then? How do they know what Enoch said and saw and did? When this was happening to Enoch, he was coming back, and the, and the book will, will show how that got transpired down, transferred down, generation after generation, through Noah, because Noah's ancestors were all dead. Except for Enoch, he remember he was he was able to come and go. But everybody else was gone when the flood came. 
and Noah transferred this information down to his sons. Okay, so let's go on. Chapter 6. Here's where it starts getting good. And it came to pass, when the children of men had multiplied in those days, were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. This, of course, matches Genesis 6, 1 and 2. And the angels, the children of the heaven, saw and lusted after them, and said to one another, Come, let us choose us wives from among the children of men, and get us children. Now these are regular angels. Okay? Regular angels. They obviously are not holy angels, because they have something in their heart where they're like, Ooh, look at the women. Alright? Verse 3. And Sem Jaza, also Semahaza, however it's pronounced in other translations, who was their leader. This could be indicative of Satan. Said unto them, I fear ye will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. So Semjaza, Semihaza, he is trying to convince other angels to do this, basically to go make children with uh, human women. And they all answered and said, let us swear an oath and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. He got them all to agree. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were in all 200 who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. Incidentally, I want to recommend, let me grab it, I borrowed it to my daughter, the book Reversing Hermon by Dr. Michael Heiser. Highly, 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 highly recommend reading that book. He goes into great detail of what happened at Mount Hermon. Maybe I should get it back from her. And copyright issues, I can't read it to you. <clears throat> but I can give you some overviews of it. It is unbelievably uh eye-opening. All right, so verse 7, still in chapter 6, verse 7, and these are the names of their leaders. Semiazaz, their leader, I'm assuming this is Semjaza, Semiazaz, Erikaba, Ramil, Kokabil, Tamil, Ramil, Daniel, Ezekiel, not, not Ezekiel, the one in the Bible, Berica, Jalasel, Armaros, Baterel, Anil, Zekiel, Sevspil, Saterel, Turel, Jomagil, Cyril. These are their chiefs of tens. Chapter 7. His heading, Dr. Brown's heading, says Offspring of Fallen Angels and Women. And all the others together with them took unto themselves wives, and each chose for himself one. And they began to go in unto them, and defile themselves with them. Okay, I want to interject here. 
it is surmised by scholars that they changed their form as Satan was able to. Um, they changed their form and they were presenting themselves as the husbands of these women to trick them. Either that, they retained their form and the women were so enamored with the beauty, whatever. Okay. They began to go in into them and to defile themselves with them, and they taught them charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots and made them acquainted with plants. This part is very, very important. This is chapter 7, verse 1. I'm going to do also chapter 8, which is related to it. Um, these are short chapters, but very important. People didn't really know, um, you know, they, they knew how to do farming because the Lord showed Adam and he, you know, transferred the knowledge down. But there was further knowledge of manipulation that came from the watchers. And this came from Satan. All of this is because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was opened up. And so God allowed all of this, the knowledge of good and evil. So some of this stuff is good. I'm not saying everything they taught them was bad. Cutting of plants and roots, good, you know, good for farming. Charms and enchantments, bad. So let's go on. Verse 2, and they became pregnant, and they bare great giants, whose height was 3,000 cells. Uh, Genesis 6, 4 is a cross-reference, but it doesn't say what height it is. Um, Rob Skiba, and I don't agree with everything he teaches, but Rob Skiba has some very good YouTube videos on the evolution of the Heights of the Giants. Um, it's a video that has PowerPoint slides. And I would check that out. Rob Skiba is a flat earther, Torah observer. Um, you know, we all have our convictions, so go easy on, on people. Okay, uh, verse 3. Who consumed all the acquisitions of men. Talking about the giants. And when men could no longer sustain them because they were eating all the food, imagine really big, big guys are like, how much food does that person need to eat? The giants turned against them and devoured mankind. They were cannibals. They started eating people. And they began to sin against the birds and beasts and reptiles and fish and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. Then the earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. I want to go into verse 5 a little bit further. When it says they began to sin against the birds and beasts and reptiles and fish, not only were they eating them, but they knew they had to sustain this food. You see where I'm going with this? It's very possible and likely that they were reproducing with beasts and reptiles, and possibly even fish. Leviathan is a, oh, like a dinosaurish giant 
fish, you know, we don't really know what went on, but I mean, don't close your mind off just because it's like, oh, that's weird. That'd never happen. We're speaking un incomparable evil here. Okay, so chapter eight. Dr. Brown says, skills and knowledge taught by the fallen angels. Verse one, and Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments and the use of antimony. Antimony is metalloid elements, atomic properties used in alloys, semiconductors and flame retardant substances such as batteries, bullets, cable sheathing, electronics, aerospace cars, construction, that's what he evolved into, this antimony. And the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinctures. Okay, I want to expound on this. Okay. Uh, knowledge of good and evil. Okay. Swords, knives. Good. Swords can be used for clearing fields. Knives for cutting up, you know, meat or whatever food shields and breastplates uh could be used against animals but that starts to look more like for war making known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them bracelets beautifying oneself esther did she not beautify herself for the king um bracelets also are can be used for seduction ornaments same thing um, the use of antimony, I just uh, said what all of that was for. Look at how they're, how they made the, uh, the atomic bomb, you know, but then again, the science of atoms has been beneficial. Beautifying of the eyelids. It's likely Esther, queen, you know, when becoming queen, that she painted herself to look more attractive. Because that's what all the other women were doing, and she needed to save, you know, her Israelite family and generation, okay? All kinds of costly stones. Nothing wrong with having a diamond. The breastplate of the priesthood had the 12 gems. Um, people kill over diamonds. And all coloring tinctures. Verse 2. And there arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication, and they were led astray, and became corrupt in all their ways. Semjaza taught enchantments and root cuttings, armoros, the resolving of enchantments. I guess I can't really think of how charms and enchantments would ever be a good thing, but this is what they were teaching them. Barakajel taught astrology. That's where astrology came in. Um, but I do want to point out, God showed them how to tell time by the stars before this. Astrology, of course, is naming gods in the heavens. Cocobel, the constellations. Ezequiel, the knowledge of the clouds. Ereqiel, the signs of the earth. Shamshiel, the signs of the sun, and Sariel, the course of the moon. 
And as men perished, they cried, and their cry went up to heaven. This is awful, awful time that was going on on the earth. Awful time. The sin of Adam and Eve didn't cause the entire downfall of the human race. It only opened up the ability to be shown the knowledge of good and evil. Therefore, the watchers were allowed to do this. They can only do, as it reads in the first part of Job, they can only do what God allows them to do. Remember in Job where Satan came before the courts of heaven and he addressed God, you know, can I do this? Can I do that? It's only by permission. And it's not that God isn't aware of what's going on because heaven and earth cannot even contain him. He's aware of what's going on, but he's allowing all of this to happen because of what happened in the garden, the deception. And we can't blame Adam and Eve because we would have done it too. It was designed this way. And before any of us say, you know, well, God's a mean God. No, he's not. He wants only those who seek him with their all entire being to be with him in heaven. There's many levels to heaven, you know, and he wants all of us to attain to the throne room level, which is the very top, as far as I know, could be higher. We don't know. We're only in this eon or age. But so at this point, God's design was for all of this to happen. Knowing also that he would protect his people. Um, I feel like we're into 38 minutes. Um, I think chapter 9 pretty much goes along with it pretty closely. Chapter 10 is really long. So let's do chapter 9 and we'll stop there. Dr. Brown says the description is anxiety of the good angel, good angels as they observe the destruction and demoralization of humanity. And then Michael, Uriel, Raphael, and Gabriel looked down from heaven and saw much blood being shed upon the earth and all lawlessness being wrought upon the earth. And they said one to another, the earth made without inhabitant cries the voice of their crying up to the gates of heaven. I'm not sure I understand the wording of that. The earth made without inhabitant cries the voice. Oh, the earth is crying out. The blood on the ground of the earth is crying out to the gates of heaven. Huh, interesting. And now to you, the holy ones of heaven, the souls of men make their suit, saying, Bring our cause before the Most High. And they said to the Lord of the ages, Lord of lords, God of gods, King of kings, and God of the ages, the throne of thy glory standeth unto all the generations of the ages, and thy name holy and glorious and blessed unto all the ages. ages. Thou hast made all things, and power over all things hast thou, and in all things are naked and open in thy sight. And all things thou seest, and nothing can hide itself from thee. Thou seest what Azazel hath done, 
who hath taught all unrighteousness on earth and revealed the eternal secrets which were preserved in heaven, which men were striving to learn. And Semihaza, to whom thou hast given authority to bear rule over his associates. And they have gone to the daughters of men upon the earth and have slept with the women and have defiled themselves and revealed to them all kinds of sins. And the women have borne giants and the whole earth has thereby been filled with blood and unrighteousness. And now behold, the souls of those who have died are crying and making their suit to the gates of heaven, and their lamentations have ascended and cannot cease because of the lawless deeds which are wrought on the earth. And thou knowest all things before they come to pass, and thou seest these things, and thou dost suffer them, and thou dost not say to us what we are to do to them in regard to these." pretty interesting stuff um we're gonna stop there the end of chapter nine what i found fascinating is that when cain killed abel he says the blood of your brother cries out from the ground sorry to paraphrase but um now the blood of all of the cannibalized people of God are crying out to the ground, from the ground, to God. And I can imagine the whole surface of the earth, because these guys were huge, some say as much as uh, 30 feet tall, I don't know, maybe bigger, um, they were doing great, great, great wickedness. And remember now, I believe the Tower of Babel was before all this. They had even built that, and they were trying to reach into the heavens. If 30 feet tall or taller guys can build something that reaches up into the heavens, or at least they think it can, you know, they're trying to reach the firmament, which the Bible clearly says is the division between the heavens and the earth. So God is like, okay, the whole earth, the blood of all these slain ones is crying out to me. I'm going to have to do something. And that's where we have left off, as where Enoch starts to talk about the flood and Noah. That is some really fascinating stuff. Um, I'm going to leave it there. We're almost at 45 minutes. And let's pick this up again on Wednesday and Friday. There's so much to go over. Another thing I kind of wanted to go over <clears throat> or do on the podcast is, you know, anybody can find teachings from the Bible and scripture that, you know, has been canonized into the Bible by King James or whoever in the Middle Ages. But there is writings that were considered scriptural. And I don't want to go out, want to go out on fringes or stuff that's considered that sounds kind of New Age-ish and that kind of stuff. But there, there's like Jubilees and Joshua and and uh 
Ezra's Baruch, you know, there's, there's books like that. Um, <clears throat> you know, and there's also, there's also prophecies, things like that, that I'd like to get into, but we're going to try and keep it strictly biblical. My plan is to pick it apart as I go. Um, by no means am I a, you know, masters of divinity, doctorate of divinity or any of that. I believe all a person needs is the Holy Spirit to discern these things. I was baptized with the Holy Spirit when I was three years into being a Christian. And so 33 years ago, and have been walking in the Spirit ever since. So I'm going to do my best. I also know that I'm going to be responsible for what I teach. So I pray about everything before and as I teach it. I don't want to lead anybody astray. I definitely don't. Um, so I'm going to do my best. As with everything, pray about it. Study it for yourself. Get other people's opinions by all means. And... We're just going to plug through this stuff that is eschatological, end times teachings. We're going to plug through this because we're very near the day. One last note, uh, the YouTube channel, Prepare333. My internet is not very good where I'm living. And so it takes up, it takes a whole day and almost all of my data just to upload a 10-minute video. So you can see what's on there. Um, it's the one with the blue scenic icon. There's another one that has a green one. That's not me. Um, I'm going to leave it there at this time, and I will probably make one more video directing people to this podcast. Um, it's not monetized. I don't have enough subscribers anyway. And so YouTube at some point is probably just going to cut me off. But um, I don't believe, you know, I don't believe YouTube has the best interests of the end times brothers and sisters in mind. So that's not my main platform. I like this platform. It's easy to upload. There are people listening. Um, hopefully more will get on board. And so I would also like to remind people of the professingchristians.wordpress.com blog that's out there. And none of this is monetized. It's just ways for you to, you know, have more Christian and biblical things presented to you to give you more food for thought, I guess. My aim is to point people to the Lord, to glorify God. That is my sole aim. It's not to have listeners. It's to be obedient to the call, to produce content that points people to God and Jesus Christ. So with that, I'm going to sign off until next Wednesday, and I hope you all have a blessed day.